The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. Thank you to all of you that are listening to this podcast. Of course, available uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to those of you who have subscribed on YouTube, youtube.com slash cover3 for that multi-platform excellence. And if you've got us up right now on your big screen, on your projector, through the CBS Sports app on the OTT device, that's right, if you've got Apple TV, Roku, anything like that, in the CBS Sports app, you can find full video episodes of the Cover 3 podcast, so go and check that out. And bring the whole family together. The whole family wants to come and get these locks. Everyone can get smarter and, uh, and, and have a good time along the way. He is Danny Cannell. He's Tom Fernelli. He's Barton Simmons. Uh, we've got another loaded week. The the Pac-12 is back. Uh, we had our first we had our first uh, night of Maction last night. I guess it, we had a little bit of discussion on, on the group chat about this. It was a it was a great night. I didn't go particularly well for me. Uh, a lot of Mac overs, and I was kind of hoping to see a lot of Mac unders, uh, but a couple cashed, and so we feel okay about that. Do we want to drop, and we got a couple of uh, weeks where we'll have Tuesday, Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Do you want to do Mac locks on Mondays if anybody's got them? Yeah. Okay. Right, why not? If everybody wants to throw them out there, why not? Okay. And they will uh, count like as standalones? I think Mac should be its own separate... <laughs> Like money yeah, line yeah. sprinkle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a totally different league. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a different sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we will have it uh, open up a new tab on the locks doc then for all of our Mac locks, right? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. I like that. That's a good, that's a good way to move. And uh, we will be doing that for the rest of November. To review, uh, we had an absolutely blazing week, 25 and 11 for the syndicate, up 12.9 units. That brings us to the season as a team, 136, 109, and 1, up 16.1 units. If you've been following everybody, Tom, just out here burning it down, 8 and 2 on the week. What were the big lessons from a loaded card uh, in week 9? Uh, I mean, 
it was it was a long time coming. Let's be that. Let's put it that way. I, I didn't change anything up last week. I just finally got the results I wanted. The only real mistake I felt I made was kind of the squarish play of taking Kansas State in the points, which proved to kind of bite me in the butt. But other than that, I don't think I did anything all that super spectacularly smart, nor do I think I did anything stupid. I think I just had the results go my way. Lock unity for Barton, Chip, and Danny cashing the other side of that lock fight, uh, West Virginia against Kansas State. Barton, you were six and four. Um, let's see, what was the over army? Over army, an L, only one over army pick last week. Yeah. How are we feeling? Um, discouraged, but not disheartened. You know, we're, we're going to come back. We got to, I feel like, feel like we get a good over this week. We're going to get off the snide. I might have to play an under or two. We'll see. Um, but uh, you know what? It felt good. I had a six. I'm, I'm very glad to have a six and four week and, and be in third place for the week. That's, uh, you know, the, what's good for the syndicate's good for, good for the gander. You know, you know what the over army reminds me of? At, at the very beginning of World War One, when Germany just decided to invade France and it went through Belgium and it found it found the going really easy at first, like the first couple weeks. It's like, man, we're just going to we are going to blitz these guys. This whole thing's going to be over in about a, three months from now. And then we're going to go home. And then they hit a wall about three, four, maybe five weeks in. And they they just didn't go anywhere else for the next four or five years. And that's I can't help but think of that as I watch the over army consistently fail. No, the over army is not trench warfare. Um, the over army does not settle into the trenches and just just take barrages after barrages. We are uh, we might as well like we're we're definitely an air attack. We're precise strategic bombings. Um, I don't know. I don't know militarily who to compare us to, but like you can have your 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 Spartan uh, existence if you're unders. We're out here having fun in the air. And that has been your World History Minute here on the Cover 3 Podcast. Uh, I was 4-4. Four and four. I was bringing up the rear uh, with an even week. I would say uh, I was happy to celebrate the uh, the lock agreement wins with uh, the unders. Uh, the, it was going to be Wendy and Laramie. Um, Ohio State, don't overthink it. And uh, the West Virginia win was all, all looking good. Poor, poor miss on UNC UVA under. That one uh, went sideways in a lot of different ways. But 35 and 31 uh, on the season and and Danny so with your seven and one you have now jumped into first place mm. overall for the season leaping one unit ahead of uh almost one unit ahead of Barton you are now 34 and 23 on the season seven and one on the week the lock unity Northwestern caches the uh, lock unity West Virginia caches the lock agreement LSU Auburn under caches the lock agreement Ole Miss Vandy caches I mean if you link up with some compadres seems to be a winning formula right now I love it I that's my uh that's been my philosophy as I write down all like the thoughts that I've got the games that I kind of like and then I go look and I do a little more research and I see if there are any trends that I like. And then all those ones that are kind of up in the air, if, I, if I, I can easily get talked to, especially if they're on my list, and then throw them in there. So very selective. I think the interesting thing about the, uh, the over army too, because last week I was, uh, what is the name for the under army? Like what's the opposite? 
Do we have one for that yet? Does Fornelli have a, a, a name? Like he's like clearly Barton is general of the over army. What is the Fornelli crew? Like what is that squad? I don't really have a name. Coca, I know, wanted me to come up with a name, but I feel like the the essence of those of us who take the unders is we don't we don't need no fancy name because <laughs> that fancy name is just to cover up the the nothing behind what we stand for. We are undertake. No- well, there's no bravado. There's no bravado to under warriors. No, yeah, that just, doesn't need know, to be. There's just in the cash. corner and hope just there's no point cash. Because let's, you know, Chip, you mentioned that Danny took the lead over Barton, but you failed to mention that Danny did it by taking four unders last week. Mm. Exactly. He was an yeah, undertaker. He was an I undertaker. I said it last. I, I'm like Switzerland. I'm just in the middle. Like, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just in, I'm neutral on everything. And I'll pick and choose when I want to jump into a battle with another one. So I, I like the unders. The over army sitting there flying in the sky. Well, here comes Danny with his unders on the ground. Just take it over the city while Barton's <laughs> flying over it. Like, yay, we're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Our buddy, Kenny White, who does our uh, sports line stuff and is gambling expert on CBS Sports HQ, he said one time we were doing an NFL segment and he said something like he hates the unders and he'll take them. But he's like, if you want to bet the under in this game, you might as well go watch a movie like he hates the <laughs> under play. And it's not a, like there is a philosophy of that one, but sometimes you got to take that under because it's a good play as was last week. Shout out to Kenny White. Cannot wait yeah. to be uh, debating some college basketball totals with him in January because he's all about pace, pace, pace. All right. Uh, y'all ready to lock it up? Do it. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming since 2005 when Service Academy's locks. Look at these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right, the uh, the week was a t- official tie between uh, Tom and Danny. Danny takes the lead on the season, so you have the honors on the tee box. Where do you want to get us started here for week 10? All right, there's a game that kind of jumped out to me. I like it a lot. I don't like that I like it a lot because of one of the programs that I have to go against. Um, I've mentioned on here several times, I like Tom Allen. I like what he's building at Indiana. Love the start that the season that he's had. 2-0. There's a bunch of different statistics about how the string of success uh, that Indiana has had. Um, It's been their first time that they've had, uh, you know, this much success. They're coming off the incredible season last year. But I also like to buy low. Like when someone, everybody's cast aside. And I think that's where we are with Michigan right now. I think people are ready to bury Michigan after the ugly loss against Michigan State. But if you dig into Indiana and what they've done, we've already addressed the game against Penn State a lot, right? Like we've talked about how the statistically uh, it was dominated, where it looked like the more talented team was Penn State. I love what they've done. Michael Penix has been awesome. Wap Fillier, we talked about him. He's delivered. But I feel like this is the spot where Michigan is that backs against the wall. Um, You know, Harbaugh comes in and he, speaking of all these army, rallies the troops, gets them fired up and just gets more physical and kind of tones things down with the dirt bike offense and says, we can run the ball against this team. We can control both the lines of scrimmage. We can win this game, maybe a little bit more of the old fashioned way. And so 
I like Michigan a lot laying only two and a half. And I think this might be one of my favorite plays of the weekend because I think you can get Michigan at some value. And I think Indiana, I don't even like using the overrated term because it's, but I just feel like they're overvalued at this point. Lock agreement. There is another lock that we'll get to shortly. I'm sure that I have. That was my lock of the week in the six pack. But if not for that game, this would have been my lock of the week for a lot of the same things that you just mentioned. This is just like last week's game was against Michigan State with the spread in that game. This is a huge overreaction to what has been happening. Michigan, you know, they beat a depleted Minnesota team pretty soundly. And then Michigan State, even though it had outplayed Rutgers in a lot of key areas, lost to Rutgers because it turned the ball over seven times. So then we're suddenly seeing like Michigan open as a 25 point favorite or so last week against Michigan State, when in reality, Michigan should have been favored by seven. 17th but then Michigan goes and loses that game and Indiana's coming in at 2-0 and after beating Penn State in a game it has dom- it dom- it was dominated in and kind of it, it beat Rutgers last week by 17 but it wasn't like a wow kind of blowout 17 points it was kind of like a eh, okay yeah they're just better than Rutgers and they're kind of getting by and winning by 17 kind of win and now Michigan's only favored by three most places but yeah we can get it at two and a half since Harbaugh took over at Michigan, they are only one, three and one against the spread, but the average spread in those games has been 16 points. Michigan's won all five of the games. Michigan's won 24 straight in the game, in the series. And it's won all five of those games by at least seven points. And fun fact, because Indiana is ranked at number 13 coming into this game. That's the highest Indiana has been ranked since 1987 when it climbed to number 11 and it beat Michigan that week to move up from 15 to number 11 and that is the last time Indiana has beaten Michigan. So yeah, I like Michigan here big. I I, I like Indiana. I'm not going to call it fraudulent, but I will say that it's 2-0 record to start the season compared to how it's played. A little bit. Uh So I love the fact that um, we get to, you know, be on CBS Sports HQ during the week and, and make a lot of picks and, and share a lot of notes because it means that by the time I show up to the Locks podcast, I have as much information as possible to make the right decision for myself and hand out the right decision uh, to all of the listeners of the Cover 3 podcast. And the overreaction uh, Tom, I believe you mentioned it on CBS Sports HQ, and it really sort of woke me up to diving into the series history. Yes, 1987 is is the big uh, number in terms of how long it's been with Michigan winning these ball games, but also the point spread. This is, I think, the lowest point spread prior to this game that they even have on record is six and a half, and in that six and a half point spread, Michigan won the game 31 to seven. It just seems like we've got. Um, We've got a great opportunity where this spread should probably be above seven. And especially if there's a two and a half on the board, I'm going to take it. Lock it up. Wolverines bounce back. Let's go. Lock infinity. To infinity and beyond. Infinity. Yeah, Indiana's got four pass plays in the past two weeks of 20 yards or more. 
they are they're not a team that is really going to be able to or that hasn't shown yet that they can really like generate a lot of explosive plays in the past game. Um, that is sort of the recipe for moving the football against Michigan. That's what Michigan State did. Um, EPA pass offense for Indiana is 85th out of 91. Um, granted, they did play Penn State that first week, but I, I just I think this is um, a good opportunity here. Indiana's already had their feel good story. Like they they got theirs. We can all sort of rest easy knowing Tom Allen and the guys got a good couple wins here. And this is where Michigan sort of has their their return. So I like it. I like the spot. I like the numbers. I like everything about it. I'm gonna go Michigan as well. Yeah, and another thing to consider here too is like we all know that Indiana was good last year. We liked Indiana coming into this season, but thinking back to how well Indiana played last year. In Bloomington, Michigan beat it by 25. <laughs> so it's like to see them a year later in the same game, pretty much only being a two and a half point to three point favorite. It's just mind blowing. Okay. Before, since this is the start of the podcast, and I know that sometimes some of our listeners like to take in the locks in sections, um, Thursday games, anyone got any action? Okay. I will lock up uh, Wyoming minus three and a half. This is not a going to be windy in Laramie because we are uh, in Fort Collins. But I think that right now the numbers still aren't right for Colorado State. I have a few really early systems in place right now for the Mountain West season. And one of them is to fade Steve Adazio. And I think this number's really short and fits the Steve Adazio, fade Steve Adazio principle. I think Wyoming's just a little bit farther along. And like we've seen in a few cases where it, it's just going to take some time for uh, this Colorado State team to be able to find its footing. They were, what, one and a half point favorites or one and a half point dogs. And Fresno State kind of ran them last week. And I, I kind of think that Wyoming is uh, the better team by at least a touchdown, even on the road. So give me Wyoming minus three and a half. I can get you three. I'll take three. Okay. On into Saturday. Uh, let's throw it to oh, oh, Friday. Actually, oh, yeah. I have a Friday play. Yeah, okay. Yeah. On into Friday. Danny, you first. Uh, I'm going to look at the BYU versus Boise State game. Um, I feel like I'm on the public side of this one because it makes me a little bit nervous. This game opened up as a pick em, and then the money came in on BYU. BYU's laying two and a half. Boise, we've only seen a couple times. I've seen a lot more of BYU. But I do feel that BYU is a significantly better team. I think there's a reason why they're in the discussion with Cincinnati as this team that's climbing up the rankings, um, that's getting better. And I, ha- I don't feel as confident with Boise. I know they're playing at home, but I think this is yet another opportunity for BYU. And it might be one of their only opportunities to really put a stamp like, hey, this is their opportunity to show the country that we're even, you know, we're better than Cincinnati. We want to be in that conversation. We want to be in that top 25 conversation. So I like BYU here laying two and a half on Friday night. Fight. Oh. Fight. 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 Boise State is a home dog. And I I talked about this on HQ all week when we've had to talk about this game. And I understand why BYU is favored in this because you're right. BYU has been amazing. But I went and I looked because 
It's like I, I, I couldn't remember a time that Boise State had been an underdog at home on the blue turf. So I went Ooh. back as far as I could find. Went all the way back to 2010. One game in, the, in that entire decade has Boise State been a dog at home. And it was in 2018. And it was to a Fresno State team that was undefeated at the time, had started off the year really well, was crushing all of its opponents, crushing them so badly that by the time it went on the road to play Boise State on the blue turf, they said, man, we got to make this team a favorite. Boise won that game 24 to 17. It was the best team Fresno had seen all year, and they lost. I think history is going to repeat itself on Friday night. I love BYU. I love what BYU has done. They've been amazing. Zach Wilson's been awesome. They have been unstoppable on offense. Defensively, defensively they've been fantastic. But who have they done it against, honestly? That's been one of the easier schedules in the country due to circumstances outside of BYU's own control because it wanted to play a much more difficult schedule than it's been able to play in 2020. Boise, meanwhile, came out and it's looked good through its first two games. And even last week when Jack Sears had to take over against Air Force, 17 to 20, 280 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Maybe BYU gets this win but they're not going to win by more than three points. I'm taking Boise State to cover. Razor thin margin there. Maybe they get the win, but not by more than three <laughs> points. On a, on a tightrope right there. Just telling you, Boise State is a home dog. Principled, <laughs> principled man right there. Uh, all right, that is... So Tom, lock fight against Danny Barton. Uh, where do you want to go? How about we go with one of the big games of the weekend? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So Northwestern uh, and. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, like, whatever the trumpet sound is. Chip, do you want to make it? Much, much cleaner than mine. Uh, Florida, Georgia, and. I look. I, I'm I'm curious to hear what other people's plays on this game are. I am not gonna play Florida right now. Maybe I change my mind by the end of the podcast. Um, I like Florida in this game. It seems like the right play. It seems like the wrong team is favored to me. But I don't trust Georgia to just sort of roll over and 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 let this get away from them. Like I, I, I just don't. I don't really trust the situation there. But what I do think is that when you look at these two teams, you look at who Georgia's played, you look at the way this Florida offense is constructed, um, some of the missing pieces on Georgia's defense, some of the strengths on the slot and the tight end position on the Florida offense, uh, I I think there's going to be some points scored. I I think that, um, look, the the – Florida's um, success rate defensively um, per, uh, against the run is like 97th in the country. Uh, they a lot of that came from A and M and 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 all the yards that Isaiah Spiller got. But you know what, Ole Miss had some success there as well. Like, I mean, you can run the ball on Florida, so I think Georgia might be able to have some success. I think if Florida if Georgia's going to win, they've got to find a way to throw the ball. But even if they don't feel comfortable putting in Stetson Bennett's hand, I think that they can get some points. Uh, in the ground game. So I, I think that this starts to 
creep up. I think that Florida can dictate things a little bit. I'm a wor- I'm slightly worried about just the pace of play. Florida does like to slow it down. But I think just because of where this is, this is just sort of, to me, the number's what, 52 and a half? Is that the, is that the number? So I, I yeah. think that that is, is sort of pointing more towards a – a little more old school SEC, and I think in these big games, especially when one of the teams is a high-powered offense, I think that that tends to dictate more so than the defense. So I'm going to go over here, 52 and a half. Um, I think Florida wins, but at the very least, I think it gets some points. Wow. Um, do you want to see the forecast for the game? <laughs> rain, right? Mm, how uh, bad there, is it? There's rain. There's a chance of rain, but mostly it's the 15 mile per hour winds. Um, I mean, listen, I, I didn't need that. Is it? Is it? Is it my time to some- go ahead and step to the mic? Is <laughs> oh, the yeah. o- is the only person who's still on board with the Georgia Bulldogs? Because what is the quality of a dog? It's loyalty, and all I have heard on my email inbox. All my Twitter mentions are dog fans saying, stick to your guns, Chip. Thank you for standing up for us when everybody else is jumping ship. They are being unfair to Kirby. They are being unfair to Stetson Bennett. And the way every single season no, We goes- are not being unfair to Stetson Bennett. We are not being unfair to Stetson Bennett. Whoever said that, get out of our inbox. They, every single year... Hey, you got all these criticisms about the Georgia offense going up into the Florida game and what happens. Defense shows up because Dan Mullen doesn't scare Kirby Smart. Dan Mullen does not scare Kirby Smart. He's got the Rubik's Cube figured out. Uh, the way the offense goes all the way going back to Alabama-Mississippi State games and then in the Florida-Georgia games that have uh, played in recent years. Dog, dogs just got this, man. I'm taking Georgia. I'm locking it up. It's, and listen, we've dropped from four and a half to three over the course of the week. Uh, if you're listening to this and you agree, maybe see if it gets to two and a half. Maybe buy that hook. But I'm taking it at three as long as that's still the best number that I can get. And I think that uh, a rainy, windy, soggy Jacksonville cocktail party is exactly the one that the tougher team with the championship mindset and the good running game is going to be able to emerge victorious. Loyalty. So it's, it's, you stick with the dogs. So it is. It is. That's that's confirmed. It is rainy and windy. There's there's a chance of rain, but it, right now the forecast is definitely calling for some high winds. <laughs> no, not on the feel great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, not the best news. It's, Coca it's pointed out. Coca sent us a, a little message here uh, in our chat or during the show. And he said that you and I, Barton, had a bet on this game back on October 19th. No, we didn't. Full circle? No, no, no. We did not have a bet on this game because you wouldn't step up to the plate and make the bet. (laughs) What? What? You had an opportunity (laughs) to place a bet on this game, but you were like, oh, yeah, when the week comes, like, sure, we'll do it. And I was like, well, that's not what I asked. So there we go. You missed your chance. And now I am not going to engage in this sort of activity. (laughs) All right. These shenanigans that are going on. All right. Just making sure. Oh, speaking of shenanigans, <laughs> fight. Fight. Under, fight. Huh? Fight. Fight. Oh. Fight. No, I'm, I'm not fighting you, Barton. I'm, I'm fighting the last dog standing over there. 
<laughs> you mentioned it, Barton. Like the one worry that I have about Florida in this game is its rush defense, because you mentioned it's it's rush success rate defensively, which is the worst in the SEC, and it's one of the worst in the country. But what I think a lot of people kind of fail to understand, and the reason that I'm leaning towards Florida here is, yeah, Georgia's going to be able to run the football against Florida probably pretty decently. But did you know that Florida has a better rushing offense than Georgia does? Because Georgia, for offensive success rate in the rush game, only ranks sixth in the SEC. It's behind Florida at number one, Alabama at two, Kentucky at three, Auburn at four, A&M at five. So Georgia, whose identity on offense is running the football, really hasn't been all that great at running the football. And a large part of that is because defenses don't have to defend anything past the first down line because they don't, they're not concerned about Stetson Bennett being able to beat them and stretch the field vertically and especially outside the hashes. So it's allowed defenses to just kind of load the box up, stick between the hashes and say, all right, run the ball at us. Maybe you'll get three or four yards. Maybe you'll base the big one, but you're going to have to keep doing it over and over and over again. And I think we're going to see something similar on Saturday. I think Florida defensively is probably going to have the best performance it's had against the run all season long because it's going to be the only thing that it's worried about. And as I've talked about as the week goes on, we've already seen this game. It was Georgia versus Alabama. And our concerns in that game were how is Georgia going to be able to keep up with Alabama offensively? Now, defensively, Florida's not Alabama. Even though Alabama struggled against the lane train, it's still a better defensive team than anything Florida has shown to this point. But as we saw last week, defensively against Mizzou, Florida looked pretty solid, and that is a Mizzou offense that has been doing pretty well on the season and had some success against Alabama as well in the very first game of the year. Also, we can't overlook the injuries on the defensive side of the ball that Georgia is dealing with, specifically Richard LeCount, who's one of the best safeties in the country. He's not going to be available to play. So now who's Georgia going to be putting on Kyle Pitts? Because I don't think there's anybody in the country that can really cover Kyle Pitts to begin with. But I don't know who I could look at on that defense right now that I feel like can at least slow him down as much as they're going to have to slow him down. I think that is a huge matchup advantage for Florida in this game. And then again, we've spent so much time talking this year about how important the quarterback position is and now how much more important the receiver position is becoming in the game of college football. Well, I, I like some of Georgia's receivers, but they don't have a Kyle Pitts. And Stetson Bennett definitely isn't Kyle Trask. So give me the Gators and give me the points. I think they're going to win outright, but I'm taking the points. The injuries are a concern. I think the game plan is to really trust uh, Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes, the two cornerbacks, because while Florida can overwhelm a lot of team with its wealth of options, I I think that I give Georgia the – whether it's like a, a Jacob Copeland, Trevon Grimes, Kadarius Toney, like I, I think I give – those Georgia corners, the advantage against anybody. So if you can leave those cornerbacks and trust them on the outside, clog up the middle of the field, take some of the responsibility off of your backup safety, whoever's coming in there for Richard LeCount, then you've still got a, a pretty good uh, game plan to be able to slow Florida down. I'm uh, I'm, I'm fascinated. I think, I think that Georgia's going to be able to show up and deliver right here. Fourth straight win in the series. Kirby. Mm-hmm. Haters going to be silenced. I just, I just want to mention, I mean, and we are, I feel like I'm doing a heel turn, but like Georgia's won three straight in the series, but let's not forget that one of those wins was against the Randy Shannon, Randy Shannon interim coach after, you know, Matt got fired. 
And then the other one was in Dan's first season in Gainesville, in which they blew him out. And then last year when Mullen was more playing his style with his more of his players, they closed the gap quite a bit in just that one year. So I, I know I don't really buy your Kirby's not scared of Dan Mullen narrative. Hmm. See, you want to jump in on it? Come on. Come on, Barton. Come on. You want a piece of this? <laughs> I, I like, I like Tom's reasoning more than yours, Chip. That's fine. I say I I'm tempted. Danny, where are you at here? If I where, you know, how, how I like, you know, where I, I like Florida, that? you know, where I like, you know, where I stand. I haven't, I haven't wavered in my, uh, as so uh, Gator Dan. Uh, why aren't you playing it? I was going to save it for money line sprinkles. Should I just do it both. Cause I think Florida wins the game outright. I was just going to save it for them, but I'll get on it here. I like the Gators. That's all. I mean, fight, that's my play. Fight, <laughs> fight, fight, fight. I'll add it to both, but if I could do it here and get my points, I'll double up on the win column. I'll do it. Uh, in the simplest, uh, purest sense of, uh, of where, and if you guys have ever been to, I used to have a little problem at the roulette table, but I see a pattern that has developed because in 08 to, to 08, 09 uh, to 10, it was Florida had a three-game win streak. Then it flip-flopped Georgia three-game win streak. Then it flip-flopped Florida three-game win streak. Now we're in a Georgia three-game win streak. Where does it go next? Three-game win streak is starting for Florida on Saturday. So that was your problem is you'd be like, oh, here we go. Look, Red's coming up next. <laughs> well, no. So here's what happened. So Chris Doring was on the Gators. We played together in the Senior Bowl. Like, we hated each other. Then we became, like, best buds. Like, it's just what happens when you're a rival and then you meet somebody. You're like, oh, that's not that bad a guy. He's a pretty good dude. So we would go over to Mobile at, or at uh, Biloxi at night. When we were in Mobile, we'd make, like, the hour drive. We'd go to the casino. And – uh we were very novice gamblers at the time and would find the roulette uh, numbers where they listed the numbers and any the 10 was the number. If there were 10 blacks in a row or 10 reds in a row, we would be like sprinting across. There's one. And we'd go play the other side <laughs> saying it has to turn, not having much statistical analysis in it, even though it is 50, 50 or, you know, slightly edge with the greens. It's still the same probability every time, but we thought we had found the edge. We thought we were going to break the casinos and uh, it did not work out that well. I think both of us ended up broke with the little money that we had made because we weren't drafted yet from the like card signing deals where you get like 3000 bucks for signing a couple cards. And uh, yeah, we both went through it. And not only that, but our draft stock plummeted because I'm sure the scouts are like, look at these degenerates, like look at these guys <laughs> on their team. It's their most important week of their career and they're running off the Biloxi to gamble at night. So yeah, it wasn't the smartest move. Awesome. Uh, that game... Florida, Georgia is the SEC on CBS game of the week. You can watch it on CBS. You can watch it on CBSSports.com. You can stream it, CBS All Access, through the CBS Sports app on all mobile and OTT devices. CBS Sports HQ is your home for pregame, halftime, and postgame. And it is also one of the games on the card for the college pick'em. We've been telling you all week, CBSSports.com slash college costs absolutely nothing to enter. Uh, the contest opens every single week on Tuesday, but that's okay. You've got until noon on Saturday. So the games are laid out for you. You just go and make your against the spread picks, submit it, and you've got a chance to get some of the money. We're giving away $1,000 guaranteed every week to the winners of this contest. So you make sure that you want to get in on this. Again, it's cbsports.com slash college. Whether you want to agree uh, with all these, um, you know, the, these former dogs, they've got no loyalty left. 
more cat than dog, lizard-brained, bailing on our team, then you can do that. CBSSports.com slash college for the college pick them. Uh, again, we're giving away $1,000 guaranteed every week. You're picking games against the spread. CBSSports.com slash college. Open till noon on Saturday. Is blind faith loyalty or is having the courage to look somebody you love in the eye and tell them where they can get better loyalty? I don't know. I don't know. I just I, I gut gut feel with an army of uh, dog supporters from the cover three behind me just powering all of this. Is it is strength in numbers is what I've got right here as I take on uh, as I, as I take on an army of uh, of haters and doubters. Okay, let's see. Do we want to go ahead and uh, jump in? Does anybody have a Clemson Notre Dame play? I do. Okay. Why don't you take the lead here? All right. Uh, I'm going to put my first under on the board in this week's pod. I look at this game and it's just the matchup wise. I feel like these are two teams that we've all agreed have very solid defenses and offensively. I'll start with Notre Dame. Like they had that big game against Pitt where Ian book was able to take advantage of the size advantage that Notre Dame had with its tight ends. And they had a lot of open space. Pitt was playing a lot of zone and dropping into coverage and Notre Dame was happy to take the thing underneath and then turned it into big plays by breaking tackles or just taking, you know, bad angles on Pitt defensive back parts. But I don't think that's going to be there against Clemson. I think that Clemson has one of the best secondaries in the country. I think it has one of the more advanced defenses that are difficult for a quarterback to read pre-snap in the country. And I think it's got a very good pass rush that could really help. You know, Notre Dame's offensive line is very good, but I do think that it's it's an even matchup to me, that front seven versus Notre Dame offensive line. So I think Ian Book is not going to have as much time as he's kind of grown accustomed to in the last few weeks against Notre Dame's opponents. And I don't think his receivers are really going to be able to get all that much separation. So I feel like for Notre Dame to have any real success offensively in this matchup, they're going to have to run the ball well. And they're capable of doing it. It's just, again, they're going up against a Clemson defense that is very capable of stifling that run game. Now, on the flip side, when we look at the Clemson offense, no Trevor Lawrence. So we have DJ Uwe Ungalale. And I think that this being his second career start on the road, even though it's not the same kind of environment, although they're, you know, Notre Dame's had students in the stadium all season long. I think that Dabo, who tends to be conservative in these games as it is, is going to want to be even slightly more conservative with his new young quarterback playing in such a huge game so early in his career. And I also think that if we watched last week's game against Boston College, like in the first half, they didn't use DJ in the run game at all. And that's a part of his game. He's he's a big, he's a big, strong arm kid, but he's also used as a battering ram. He's very mobile. He's very athletic. And I don't know if at the time, if that was because maybe, you know, we know he'd been kind of banged up and that was one of the reasons he didn't play against Georgia Tech and they just didn't want to have him, you know, running and taking hits. Or was that Clemson just not wanting to put that stuff on tape? Because in the second half of Boston College, when Clemson suddenly found itself in a game it wasn't expecting itself to be in, we saw DJ Uyunglele running the ball more. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that against Notre Dame. I think he's going to be involved as a ball carrier a lot more between him and Travis Etienne. I think they feel like that is something they can take advantage of. And maybe because, you know, if you're Notre Dame's defense, which one are you taking out of the equation? Do you take one of the best running backs in the country out of the equation? Or do you take the quarterback who's, you know, a very good runner himself out of the equation? There's really no right answer. You're going to get burned a lot. 
So because of that, I think both teams are going to have to run the ball pretty often. And I think that's going to keep the clock running. And I think that's going to limit possessions. And now we're doing all this math in our head. And that strikes me as an under. I like the big game Dabo play. You know, that's a been a principle in some of these games. Uh, the top games, regular season games, he likes to go let the defense win it. Um, my, my, my score for this is 31-24. It's a little bit too tight for me to jump on it, but I, I definitely get where you're at. I don't have a lock for this, but my I think Clemson wins this game by a touchdown, even with DJ Uyunglele, and um, and I just I don't know, man. Clemson's been here before. I did a lot of like writing and, and research about Notre Dame this week, and I like a lot of their confidence. You know, when the uh, you know a lot of the it's like I mean. We won 20, 29 out of the last 32. I don't know. I don't know what you want from us, right? You go figure it out. We won the last 12. We won the last 22 home games, huh? But uh, but I just, I don't, I'm not going to lock it up. But my, at five and a half, my, my lean is Clemson. Anybody else got to play? I got to play. Do it. What's what's your play, Danny? I like, uh, I like Notre Dame here catching six. Uh, I feel like we've talked a lot, obviously, about uh, DJ Uyunglele and we've about Trevor Lawrence being out the injury. Like we noticed this in Georgia. We talked about Georgia's defensive issues. Um, Tyler James Davis, Skalski, James Skalski, yeah. Mike I mean, Jones, Jr. They're, yeah. they're starting to add up. Those guys aren't traveling. They're not even like game time decisions. They're pretty banged up. Notre Dame's playing at home. I like all the Brian Kelly conversation that's been coming out like this new kind of swag. Like, Hey, we can do this. I'm like not intimidated. I like the evolution, slow evolution of the Notre Dame pass game because it was definitely an issue earlier in the year. They've had a couple better pass performance where there is more balance. And like it's still, and I know it's easy to peg a young quarterback and just say, well, Trevor Lawrence did it his true freshman year. Look at it. And he was, and he was awesome last week versus um, Boston College. But this is different. Like this is a whole nother. And, I, and he might go out and just light it up. But with all the injuries with a young quarterback versus a veteran quarterback, I like to fight an Irish here. I think six is a big number. Um, so I'm going to take uh, Notre Dame here with the points. I respect it. There's some stuff too. I mean, there's uh, it's Clemson's worst start against the spread through seven games under Dabo. Uh, they're two and five. They've already had more against the spread losses than all of last season when they were 11 and four. Like there's some trends where it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, the trends kind of back me up there. Um, so Notre Dame's got this unbelievable uh, 22 game uh, straight up win streak at home too, but I, I don't, we'll see. Money line sprinkle possibility. I'm still weighing my options here, but I like the six points. So I'm going to jump, I'm jump in here. Um, I'm going to align. Just, just form a a, a um, temporary alliance with the under troop mm. troopers of the unders. Uh, I am going to play under fifty two and a half. As if, what is it? Fifty one and, and a half. Yeah, fifty one and a half. So, I think this is in playing the under. This is a little bit of a Notre Dame play as well, because I think the like Notre. I think back to twenty eighteen. And in 2018, if you guys remember how that game played out, the first quarter and a half or so, Notre Dame was playing a really good defense. Um, and then, as happened with that 2018 team, they get like a 52-yard – it was either T. Higgins or Justin Ross, you know, big ball. Um, 
and and that and I, I think it was even after an injury. Was it no? Yeah, was it was it the injury to the corner or was it, was it Lohi Gilman on that team? Maybe it was Lohi Gilman. No, I think Lohi Gilman was in coverage on that first big ball. Either way, like we started to see things fall apart. I think it was a corner, the, their their NFL corner that got hurt. Um, and and then things started to get a little looser, and and you kind of look up, and and I just was just sort of scanning the box score there, and it was like a forty-two yard pass to T Higgins, and you know forty-eight yards to Justin Ross, and uh, two things sort of jumped to my mind here is one, like those guys aren't here. There isn't a T Higgins or Justin Ross on this roster right now. Maybe this is the showcase. Maybe this is the emergence. Maybe this is the day that Joseph Ngata or Frank Ladson or who've both been banged Jay up. Williams. By the way, they're what? They've both been banged up. Neither one played right. against Boston College. So maybe, maybe this is the this is the this is the the moment. But I don't think that there's any reason to think that. Um, the the Travis Etienne is still like just as big of a factor as he was back then, but, but they bottled ETN up for the first half or so ETN started popping off some big runs in the second half. That was after the pass game loosened them up and they were forced to sort of take some more chances defensively. I think because of the way that Clemson is banged up on the, uh, particularly in the defensive front seven, I think because of, because Notre Dame is going to be very, disciplined and staying on script and trying to stay within like how they think they can win this game. This is a better defense. I think year, what are we three under Clark Lee with from that 2018 unit? I I just think that this is going to be played closer to the vest. Um, I I like the way Notre Dame is going to be able to control pace a little bit. I'm not necessarily thinking they're going to win, but I do think that they can keep it uh, under a, a reasonable number. So I'm going to go with the under. It was Julian Love, was I think was one of the That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we just had a new quote, though, from Brian Kelly from his press conference today that makes me feel even better about this underplay. <clears throat> I can't do the impression that you can't chip, but we're not going to we're not going to we're not going away from playing physical and running the football. This is going to fall a lot on the offensive line's shoulders and they're excited for this opportunity to control a lot. These are the kinds of games are what offensive linemen love. Dude, he had that line he said uh, is am I worried about, you know, am I making any adjustments to Clemson's defenders being out? And he said he looks down at the depth chart he goes I would take Clemson's fifth linebacker. I would take Clemson's seventh <laughs> defensive lineman. Like I used to say, are you kidding me? No changes, but it's because he's going to rely on six, five, 300 pound, 22 year olds to just go out there and mash. Like he is, somebody asked, uh, I was on the radio locally and I said, this is Duke versus Virginia in basketball because one of these teams has a program and continues to cycle up, rely on player development, its system and having juniors and seniors. And the other one's got five-star freshmen. It is going to be like that battle in the trenches with Brian Brzee and Miles Murphy going up against a ton of 22 year old future NFL players, in, you know, Notre Dame and whoever wins, whoever wins in the trenches wins the game. That is the most cliche um, analysis, but it is especially pertinent. I think in this particular matchup, by the way, first play of the game, play action shot over the top. He's setting it all up. Yeah. He's like, Hey, we're going to run the football. We're going to run it. Watch him. Watch it happen. First series. Boom. All right. Um, let's see. Where do we want to go next? We got a lot of work left. 
Yeah, we got a lot of work left. I might go off the grid a little bit. Are you guys, what other, you want to go feature games? I was going to go SEC. Okay. Go for it. Uh, you heard me earlier talking about uh, some things I like. I like when I see programs headed in different directions. And if I can find value in one program and one that might be a little bit overrated, um, Tennessee is playing Arkansas. Tennessee is in the midst of a three-game losing streak uh, after you know, after an unbelievable eight-game, like a couple seasons, uh, encompassing a couple seasons. It's a little bit back to reality. And I thought, you know, I've mentioned that on here a bunch. Like the eight-game win streak was pretty. If you dug in, it wasn't exactly the most impressive programs. Now this would be one of those typical. Oh, Tennessee should win this one. But on the flip side, you've got Arkansas playing with a lot of confidence. Um, you know, and, and granted, backdoor cover. I know that happened against Texas A&M last week. But I think even in that game, I think Arkansas comes out with a better taste in their mouth. They're like, oh, we didn't get blown out. We can, we can hang with these people. Uh, Felipe Franks quietly is now up to 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, playing some really good football. Um, I like Arkansas here. Uh, to win the game outright, but I think I can get two points. They're playing at home. I think every game they're playing with a lot more optimism. Uh, Tennessee just has issues across the board. So give me the hogs here. What am I getting? Uh, two? The best I can get you is two, yeah. I'll take the two. I've got a uh, play on the total. I'm going uh, to be an undertaker here. Uh, can I get 52 and a half is the uh, best number I can get? Uh, Yep. Yeah, 52 and a half. Uh, I'll take the under. This just the the style of this game sort of I guess I would probably handicap it closer to a 47 48 49, so I feel like there's a little bit of value and I just I don't trust either team to be particularly explosive. Just just seems like a great time to get back into those uh those those SEC like 7:30 below the radar unders. I mean, it's just it it's not an SEC East game, but it feels like an SEC East under as I guess we got Sam Pittman going up against Jeremy Pruitt. So yeah, I like the Tennessee Arkansas under 52 and a half. Okay. Um, Danny, what's up? We're, we're about to have another little rumble, buddy. Fight. Um, Fight. Fight. We just can't, just can't ever seem to just, consistently get on the hey, same page, man. You know, Maverick and Iceman, it was a contentious relationship, right? right. I mean, it's kind of all right. over the map. <laughs> so here's the way I view this. I understand um, what you're saying, different trajectories, heading in different directions. Arkansas is feeling good, all that. I, sure, I get it. But I, I want to sort of take a moment here and just add a little bit of perspective to what's happened at Tennessee. T- Tennessee, they lost to Georgia and they lost to Alabama. Two teams they just aren't ready for. Sandwiched in between there was a Kentucky game. And that game was pretty fluky. I'm not saying Kentucky didn't deserve to win, but they had two pick sixes and three pass, three interceptions on three consecutive possessions in that first half, which totally, totally changed the, that game moving forward and, and sort of allowed Kentucky to play in a totally different style than, than they otherwise would have. And so the final score, 34-7, to seven, looks like they just got blown out and they didn't belong in the field. It wasn't really that way. It, it just sort of – it was a game that got away from them and, and ended up looking bad in the end. They still have wins over South Carolina, Missouri to start the season. They're coming off of a bye week. This is 
because of a lot of the things you're saying about Arkansas feeling good, Arkansas heading in the, in the right direction, Tennessee, everyone's down on Tennessee, Tennessee heading in the wrong direction. I think Tennessee knows that. I think Tennessee knows how important this game is. I, I mean, they're clearly not going to be taking Arkansas for granted. I think that they, Jeremy Pruitt has had two weeks to prepare for this game. They've, they, they have to win it. Like, if maybe that's maybe that's in your favor here. That this is like a game where the pressure is absolutely all on Tennessee. Like Arkansas is playing with house money at this point in the season. The pressure is on Tennessee to win this game. But I, I think that that is a, a reason to believe that they are going to come out here focused, having had a good week of practice with a good game plan, and and just sort of pour it all into this game. So I I'm just sort of I, I don't know like but you know maintaining my faith, I guess, in Jeremy Pruitt and, and, and having this Tennessee program headed in the right direction. Because, yes, if they lose this game, what in the world can you even say about this program, about this coaching staff, about the direction of things? That would be a really, really bad look. I, I don't think that they're going to that they're gonna uh, bottom out like that. I think that they win. Backs against the wall, Vols. <laughs> you, are, you are 100%. That uh, Tennessee-Kentucky game was uh, impacted by those interceptions and the, and the turnovers. Who threw those interceptions for Tennessee? <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, it, I who's playing it. this? Like, if, if they would have made the change over the bye week, I'd probably feel a little bit better for you and maybe not. But they're still sticking with uh, Guarantano. So I, I, I think it's an issue. So I still like, I still like uh, the Hogs here. All right, um, let's go to – let's see, got that one, got that one. All right, let's go to uh, Oklahoma State. Going up against Kansas State, the Pokes, it's time to rally. It's time to get things back together after taking an overtime loss to Texas in which Oklahoma State played better uh, throughout much of the game. Just uh, the turnovers were a big, big problem. Now they are a 12-and-a-half point favorite against Kansas State, and I think that's too many daggum points against a Kansas State team that is pretty solid uh, across the board, even with Will Howard now fully sort of in and settled. They didn't have a great performance against West Virginia. That could have also been uh, West Virginia. So I, I just look at this game and I think about the way Oklahoma State takes care of business, the fact that it is not a wildly explosive team and that Kansas State is not the kind of team that as long as they can take care of the ball is not going to allow a whole bunch of points to get racked up real quickly. Too many daggum points for a Big 12 game. This is not quite the nobody deserves to be favored in the Big 12 kind of principle, but outside Oklahoma, I don't know if anybody deserves to be favored by more than 10 points. So give me the Wildcats plus 12 and a half. Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I have... Uh... I've got this on my card, not even in the margins. I've got this actually on the card to play Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Now, I haven't, I'm not, it's like in, you know, chess game or something. I haven't put my hand on the piece yet. I'm just telling you what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so this don't, don't lock me in. Just saying that, hearing you say that, Oklahoma State, this like very, benign number 12 and a half it's not even two touchdowns like it sounds like it is like this just sounds like a game Kansas State covers for like I'm, I'm all of a sudden kind of getting cold feet on it in Manhattan uh, too that's the other thing I want right. to make sure to point out to the listeners is this is Zen Manhattan this is where uh where things can get a little bit dicey and where Kansas State feels very comfortable playing against the big old brand names 
Yeah, I think I'm going to pull the ripcord. I think I'm going to eject. I don't think I'm going to play this one. Wow. I'm going to leave it off the card. Wow. First we'll he see, abandons maybe, Georgia. Now he's abandoning Oklahoma State. Maybe <laughs> I'll warm up to it on Saturday and, and make a personal play. But I think for the locks, ah, uh, man. This is a lot of this is a this is a big gut week for me. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of not a lot of like I'm not following the numbers here. Uh, this is more of just f- getting feels and you know what the feels are starting to betray me on this one a little bit. So I'm gonna hold off. Well, can I get you interested in, in maybe <clears throat> dancing along as uh, we take a look at this Virginia Tech Liberty over? Because I'm seeing uh, a Liberty defense that is not going to be able to stop Khalil Herbert. And I'm seeing Malik Willis still having a great opportunity. I mean, because there's a couple ways that it goes, right? Either uh, Virginia Tech and Liberty start going blow for blow early and it just gets real shootout real fast. But I also think that if Virginia Tech goes up like 21 nothing immediately, Malik Willis is going to be playing, seeing some soft defenses, getting a lot of free 10-yard runs to extend drives and, and be able to get Liberty the points that we need to be able to go and get this cover. The... If I looked back, the Virginia Tech-Louisville game played out that way. Virginia Tech jumped out to a 21-0 lead. They're like, all right, cool. We're good. We got this. And then got a little bit soft. Malik Cunningham got rolling. Offense started cooking a little bit. And the win was never in doubt. Like The final score, I think, ended up being, what, 7 or 10 points? But that was Louisville scoring the last touchdown like with a minute left. I wouldn't hate it if you want to jump on Liberty with the idea that that sort of backdoor principle is going to be there. I just think the free access yards are taking the over uh, with two explosive running attacks. I'll play. I'll play. Not the over. Well, oh, oh no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> Too late. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But I'm not. I am. I am endorsing that. I'm. I am encouraging of that. And and I, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you see a couple of my troops out there in the field of battle with you. Uh, but I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the, the fighting Hugh freezes. I'm gonna keep on riding this train until we see him right down the road in the SEC playing big boy ball again. This is another interview for the big time. He'll be ready. And if and and I'm not. Uh, you know what? This it might be 28 nothing in the first quarter. Uh, Virginia Tech. It it might be. But uh, come fourth quarter, Malik Willis and the boys are gonna be. Sc- Grapping and clawing for every additional point, so they're gonna be fighting for that backdoor cover. Um, give me, uh, give me the flames plus the what is it, fifteen? Fifteen. I'll take it. I, I, I liked it at fourteen. I like it better at fifteen. <sighs> All right. Well, I think we've reached that time of the show where I remind everybody that <gasps> service academy unders. Yeah. <laughs> Since 2005, the service academies have played 46 games. In those 46 games, the under has gone 36, 9, and 1. That includes a few weeks ago when it was Air Force and Navy, and I told you to take the under, and it hit. And once again, I am telling you to take the under in Air Force at Army under 41. Yes, it's low. Yes, they're catching on. No, it has not mattered. The totals keep getting lower, and so do the games. In the last five meetings between these two have featured about an average of 29 points. That's 12 points of wiggle room right there, ladies and gentlemen. So give us the under 41 Air Force at Army. I also kind of like the Falcons plus six. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock that up. 
because if we're going really, really low totals, I think we got a good chance of catching a little three-point win, four-point win, six-point win, or Air Force on the field. Also, our um, Air Force sources that indicated that things were not in a great shape, we've, we've seen some evidence that Air Force is, is back just seems to be dialed in, seems to be invested in, in this season. So uh, I'll take Air Force plus six as a lock in this game. And if you want to watch that game, you can also watch it on CBSSports.com. It'll be on Big CBS, CBS Sports HQ for your halftime and post-game needs. Be there, be breaking it down, celebrating, dancing with this Air Force plus six, cash in on the post-game show. You can watch it, CBSSportsHQ.com or through the CBS Sports app on your mobile or any OTT device. You guys ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? Uh, How do you personally like to go and hit the reset button? You know, just to take a minute and get ready for what's next. Well, I know that my favorite thing to do is to go and reach for a Coors Light. It is the one beer out there that is literally made to chill. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what game is on, Saturdays are your time to chill. Maybe your team ended up getting its game canceled. Maybe your team is off, but it doesn't matter because there are so many games. We got more than four dozen games this week, which is the perfect opportunity for you to grab a Coors Light, sit down because it is the official beer of watching any college football game this fall. So flip through the channels. Find a game and crack open a Coors Light. It's therapeutic to sit down and watch football. It's been a little bit of a stressful and crazy week, but that uninterrupted me time is a great excuse to chill and drink a beer. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill, get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at getcoorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on the other side, more of our Week 10 Locks next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. All right, uh, on the board so far, things are getting a little girthy already. Uh, what, Tom, why don't you take us where you want to go? All right, well, let's go for my third under in a row. We're going to the uh, the early, early start on the West Coast. For oh, USC. yeah, breakfast ball. Yeah, uh, for those who aren't aware, with the Pac-12 starting this weekend, This is also the start of the Pac-12 doing what it can to get its games on in the daytime when people are watching in in the big spot. So Fox has convinced it that it should play some games at 9 a.m. local time, which is exactly what USC and Arizona State are going to be doing. Think about where you are at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning as you're just preparing to get yourself ready to watch college football all day. I think about where I am, and I am not in any mindset or physical condition 
to play a football game at nine in the morning. And I think we're going to see some sloppiness. I think it's going to be, you know, kind of drowsy, I think would be a good word for it. And it's also, again, it's the first game of the year. And as we've seen in trend so far this season, when teams are starting the season later than others, when they're playing for the first time, while it's not still going at the 70% clip that it had been after the first few weeks of the season, we're still seeing the under hit 58% of the time in those games. So when you combine that, you combine the really early start time, and then you toss in an Arizona state offense that wasn't exactly putting up a ton of points to begin with last year and lost its most explosive weapon in Brandon Ayuk and a very good Arizona state defense going against the USC team that's playing in its first game of the year. So I expect the offense to be a little bit shaky. So the under seems just a little too obvious in this one, under 58 Arizona state at USC. Oh, man, there's a couple plays I'm tempted on here. Um, I mean, you've only got – I mean, you, there's only but so many. I mean, you dropping like a Jaden Daniels rushing yards prop. I mean, what's the uh, – you can either pick a side or you can pick a to- side of the total. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm tempted by, by both. Um, I, my lean is Arizona State. My lean is the under, but I do not feel confident enough in either one of them because I am entertaining the idea that Keaton Slovis and this group of wide receivers just come out and ball, and it is a little bit of like one of those stunner kind of uh, opening performances. Yeah. I, I'm going to stay away. I think I'm going to stay away for now. I might circle back by the end of the pod. I'm going to stay away for now. I I had floated this too with you guys earlier about taking the under early in the week. I like the first half under. I don't know if I like it as a lock. I'm kind of curious because there's also the part of me that knows both these teams have probably prepared for this, right? Like it's not like they're practicing at two in the afternoon or whatever normal practice time this week. They probably had their players all week and maybe even multiple weeks getting up at 5 a.m., practicing at 7 a.m., like doing some things uniquely to prepare for this. I still think you just don't get college kids to ever adjust to that normally. So I still don't mind. I don't hate the underplay, um, but I would rather do it in the first half. Like I think no matter what, like the first half could be slow. But all the reasons you guys are talking about the USC firepower, um, Daniels was outstanding last year. I think he's got so much potential. I don't, I don't, I just don't love it for a lock discipline i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna play i'm gonna play i'm gonna dive in i'm not gonna play the over i was tempted i am gonna play the trojans this is a this is a bit of a bigger line than i think probably a lot of people anticipated this big line that frankly i anticipated and the more i sort of thought about it the more i just this is again okay so first week of pac 12 you know, make your bets here and there where you can while you can still get some value on them. Um, like, I, I think that USC is probably the Pac-12's best hope here. I think the way USC is constructed with a quarterback, with wide receivers, with with a vet, more veteran defense, I think there's pieces here for this to be a good team. And I think Arizona State has a chance to be a really good team too. But this is Jaden Daniels in year two with a with a true freshman starting running back two true freshmen as co-starters or 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 just firm starters at the wide receiver position um they're like everyone in their running backfield are newcomers um there's just a 
I think this might be a team that needs a few weeks to kind of get get things caught up. And and I think with the pace that USC is capable of scoring at, with Arizona's desire to really, I mean, they typically would rather play a little bit more conservatively offensively. They may be forced out of their comfort zone a little bit to try to play keep up with Slovis and the boys. I just think that there's a reason this line is bigger than we think, and I'm going to – I'm going to go ahead and take a, take a shot with USC early. All right. Okay. So uh, what about Tom or no discipline, Danny, you're, you're a couple picks behind. Why don't you just go I'm ahead? I'm going to go one. I'm going to get two out of the way. Cause I had some, some success uh, last week, kind of playing a, a favorite and the total. Uh, I'm going to go back to the well. This has been uh, dangerous before when you get a little greedy and go back to the same team, but I hate to do it to Barton's guys, but I'm going to find Vanderbilt and say, all right, what is going on? Like, what's happening with Vanderbilt right now? I saw it last week with Ole Miss uh, and said, you know what? Ole Miss is going to get back on track, right? Mississippi State coming off an embarrassing loss to Alabama, right? Skunked. Zero. Put up the goose egg. Will Rogers left picked up right where KJ Costello left off with two picks of his own. They have instability at quarterback. You know what they need? They need Vanderbilt. That's what they need <laughs> to get back on track. It's a big number, but I don't think it's big enough. So I am going to take Mississippi State laying 18 and a half. Can I get, or is it night? Where is the number? Uh, the best I can get you is 18 and a half. All right. So I'm going to take the 18 and a half. I'm going to lay those. The total is already kind of low, um, which I don't hate. So I'm going to take the under on this one as well because I think Mississippi State's defense is still good. They're still second overall Mm -hmm. in the SEC. Uh, We know Vanderbilt struggles. They did score 21, but that was against Ole Miss, right? This is going to be a much different task. So I could easily see uh, 31 to 10, you know, Mississippi State win, gets me out, covers, and hits the under. So give me uh, Mississippi State – and the under in this game. Oh, Barton wants to fight. I can see it on his face. And then he grabbed the microphone. Now he's really getting All right. Um, oh, my enemies. Listen, I get it. You know, Vandy's, they're, they're, they're punching back. They're easy to crack jokes at their expense. I understand <laughs> it. I've been, I've done it myself. They've been easy money, easy access yardage all year long. Um, but you, you, when you say, you opened up your, uh, your, your preamble, your, your discussion about this game and saying Mississippi state coming off an embarrassing loss. I wanted to stop you right there and be like, wait, which one, which is the embarrassing <laughs> loss? They've all been embarrassing. When yeah. was the last time Mississippi state had a bit of impressive performance? Week one, September so that's 26th. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. So. I, I I don't suddenly think Vanderbilt is good. I, I don't suddenly think that um, Mississippi State is is like I just think 19 points against this Mississippi State team, a team that is like literally like we're like we're we're like a, a a medic on the field of battle, like trying to like plug you know there's 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 constant uh, bleeding coming out like everywhere you turn on that roster. Oh, another receiver's gone. Oh, Kylan Hill's out now. Oh, like the the whole roster is like backing out of this deal. And granted, the defense has consistently played 
well. But I, I think that Vanderbilt is still like wants to play for Derek Mason. I think they still have, have got some pride left. I think that there's still like 19 points for a team that hasn't been able to score an offensive touchdown against just about anybody is, is pretty bad. And so I'm just, I, I, in fact, I almost like texted, uh, you know, someone over at Vanderbilt, like just sort of make sure, Hey, is there any, is there like any position groups that are not playing this week or something? Are y'all down to like three scholarship offensive linemen or something? Is there anything I need to know? But I said, you know what? I'm not going to even do go there. Like, this is just a situation where if you got any pride at all, you should be able to cover 19 points against a team that can't score. So I, I think Derek Mason will have a defensive game plan put together. I don't disagree with your under, um, but I think that uh, 19 points, even for the lowly Commodores, is just too many. So I'm going to fight, 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 fight. Love it. Just this week. God, I mean, if there's if we're gonna open with a lock infinity, there's got to be some bloodshed to follow. Everybody walked in holding hands, then we all pulled knives out from behind our backs. <laughs> um, all right, I've got one, two, I've got two, and potentially five left. So like two that I know I want to play, and three more that I could definitely get suckered into, plus money line sprinkles. Uh, how how's everybody else looking? I've got two and potentially two left. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't even know. Like I've got, I've just, let's, let's just see what happens. Um, okay. Well, let me, uh, I mentioned the fade Steve Adazio. Uh, I'm also on a fade UNLV principle just to go ahead and, and get out here. I like to call it the Justin Herbert special. Um, and I will, I see Fresno state, pretty good team on the other side. I see 11 points. I think that is manageable and, uh, yeah. Give me Fresno state minus 11. Who are they playing? Who'd you say they're playing? UNLV. <laughs> I kind of like that actually. So do I. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Lock agreement. I guess I've got three left on the card. <laughs> Do you, you want to end, Barton? No, no, no. I'm not going to get in, but I, 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 I certainly am. Uh, I'm, I'm with it. I like it. Okay, who's and up? I, I'm on that very same fade. <laughs> the Rebels win. Yeah, it's the Justin Herbert. Yeah. I see I'll how go. good Justin Herbert looks in the NFL. I go find his <laughs> offensive coordinator, who's now a head coach, and I fade him. It's easy. <laughs> it's, it's sound reasoning. Honestly, I'll go next. Uh, I will take this one's a principal play. I think I know Chip knows what it is because I gave an impassioned plea about it on HQ yesterday. You may remember a couple of weeks ago when I was the one telling you that Rutgers was going to beat Michigan State, and it did. And now I am telling you that Rutgers is going to cover the spread against Ohio State. They're getting 38 points. That is too many points in a conference game. The trend since 2014, there have been, let me see here, 32 games in conferences featuring one team favored by 35 points or more. The underdog is 19 and 13 in those 32 games against the spread. Rutgers has been that underdog four times. It has gone three and one against the spread in those matchups. Now, 
Ohio State has kicked the shit out of Rutgers since it's joined the Big Ten. It's won all six games. It's winning them by an average of 46 points. But the difference is last year's game was actually close. And different this year is that Greg Schiano has taken over at Rutgers, and we've seen a Rutgers team that threw two games, despite the win, just looks far more competent. But more so than that, Greg Schiano spent two years on Ohio State staff as the defensive coordinator alongside offensive coordinator Ryan Day. I don't see this as a scenario in which Ryan Day and the Buckeyes, Ryan Day, the same Ryan Day who felt the need to publicly apologize to Scott Frost after scoring a touchdown in garbage time against them. I don't see Ryan Day running up the score against the guy he worked with a couple years ago. And as far as I know, it's not like they hate each other. So I think that once Ohio State gets this game under control, they're probably just going to put it on cruise control and not look to embarrass the Knights. And I think the Knights are going to stick within 38. So give me Rutgers. Woo! Love it. Mm. All right, discipline. I like, <laughs> I, I like the under. I don't. I don't love the. I don't love anything. I like the under. I don't love it. I just. I think there's better value out there elsewhere. <laughs> I'm trying to stay disciplined. All right, where do you see it? Uh, I'm gonna go to Austin. Uh, our boy Coca's team, West Virginia, coming off an impressive win against Kansas State. We were all on that, right? We all won that one. Um, no. no oh, that's right. There was one of us. There was one of us left in the alley <laughs> all by himself, bleeding. And we just kind of kicked them while they're down. Uh, really impressive win. Uh, Texas, uh, in its own right, kind of getting things back on track. I like Texas in this one. I don't love it. But when I see a Big 12 total, that is 55 and a half, I believe is where it is uh, for the total score, 55 and a half. And I see a Texas team, the yes, West Virginia is playing pretty good defense. But I also, and I also know Texas isn't going to play very well defensively. But I see Sam Ellinger playing at a really high level, keeping his team competitive, having them in every game, putting the team on his back. I think they're going to be able to score points. So I think this is going to be more of a big 12 game in the 30s. Um, than most people think. So I'm going to take the over 55 and a half on West Virginia, Texas. I can get you 54 and a half. Even better. Anybody else getting in on this? General. Um, there you go. Over arm. Let's get, let's get back on the same side. I'm, I'm, uh, um, branch. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to play the, the over here, but I'll, I'll take West Virginia. I'll take West Virginia. Uh, I can get a I can get a touchdown, right? I can get you six and a half. Six and a half. All right. So Tom Herman, what six? No, 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 no. There's not a seven somewhere. I'm just looking not at not currently. Uh, not currently. <laughs> it opened at seven. All right. Well, whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy the hook on game day, but I'll, uh, for Locks purposes, six and a half. Um, this is a Tom Herman team that just got done with their you know, patented upsets of, I don't do, I don't, I don't, I don't even know where you guys find all the trend stuff. Like, I don't know how to research that stuff. Maybe you guys can, can shoot me a link after the show or something, but the, I, I know anecdotally, I know from watching how this works, Tom Herman upsets the favorite as an underdog, he gets the big upset and then he has the letdown performance the next week uh, or one of the weeks following. This is, this is a great opportunity for him to have that letdown performance. 
Look, I'm not saying I can't envision this thing being a blowout and all of a sudden like we're, we're loving up Texas again, but I continue to go back to the idea that, like when has Texas actually looked good? Like they just don't. They never do. They didn't look good against Oklahoma State. And so until they actually have a performance where they look good, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that they're seven points better than West Virginia. I, I think that this is a – I think this is a team in West Virginia that's, you know, I, probably – has a better, like, again, defensively, West Virginia, like that may be the best unit on the field. So I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead, take the points. Um, this could be an outright win. Uh, I know Tom Herman needs this for job security, but they're playing everybody close. They're, they're getting by by the skin of their teeth. Even if they win, it may be a one-pointer. Uh, so give me, uh, give, me, give me the Mountaineers. Give me Neil Brown to, to, to get his team ready for another big one. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm not going to lock it up, but it was a pick I was giving out on CBS Sports HQ all week. I like that side. Um, I, uh, I'm going to keep it in the Big 12, and it's funny because, uh, Danny, you said, you know, you see that 55 and a half, and it makes you think, like, man, like, this, there's going to be – I think this is going to be a classic Big 12 game. Well, I see 47 in Baylor, Iowa State. And that's a Big Ten line for a Big Ten-looking game. We're going to be playing field position. We're going to be playing defense. And we are not going to be scoring too many points in Baylor, Iowa State. I am locking up the under in the 40s for your shorties. Do I get 47 or a 47 and a half, 46 and a half? 47 and a half. 47 and a half. Let's go. Enjoy it. I mean, this is the the only way that this loses is if this is like Baylor TCU, where we're dialed in on the under, but then we go to four overtimes and it ends up being a 26 23 final that you lose in overtime. This is a low scoring ball game right here. I can smell it from North Carolina. All right. I got one pick left. Barton, I'm going to need you to take your headphones off and leave the room. Ooh. <laughs> I am going to take the over in Oklahoma and Kansas. <laughs> nice. Listen, it's the totals at, it's, I think the best I can get right now is 63. Yes. The best I can get is 63. Like we've talked about it before. Oklahoma home overs have just been a good thing under Lincoln Riley to begin with. Since he became the head coach, they've gone 14, eight and two in Oklahoma's home games. And this is a game to me where I feel like with Oklahoma State losing last week, it's kind of opened the door. Oklahoma was never out of the Big 12 picture as far as getting to the championship game. But now it's got a much it's got more paths to victory, as Chip put it yesterday (laughs) on HQ to reaching the Big 12 championship game. And if there is a two loss team in the country that is capable of getting a playoff spot, depending on how crazy the rest of this season gets. I think Oklahoma has the history and the brand recognition to be that team. So with Oklahoma state losing, I feel like the Sooners are now in a position where like, all right, we're kind of starting to get our act together. We had a young QB who's finally starting to find his way. We're starting to find a rhythm offensively. We're starting to find a rhythm defensively. Now is the time for us to just go out and start making some statements to make sure that people remember we still exist. What's the best way to remember you still exist? Put up 70 points on somebody, kind of like Clemson did against Georgia Tech a few weeks ago. And I think we could see Oklahoma put that kind of performance together again to this week against a really, really, really bad Kansas team. And also, 
I think that even if Oklahoma doesn't get over 63 on its own, I do think Kansas is going to get between 10 and 14 points. So really, I only need Oklahoma to get to 49 here. And I think Oklahoma can do that pretty easily. So over 63, Kansas at Oklahoma. Let's not put this on the pod, but we'll put it in the locks dock. Like it. <clears throat> I appreciate it. I respect it. I got one more game. Okay. And I'm tapped out. This is the old DK special of, wait a second, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Iowa is playing Michigan State at home. They're 0-2. Michigan State is coming off a massive upset of the season. They beat Michigan. And yet somehow, with all this that's happened in the last week or two, Iowa's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Doesn't make sense, but Iowa actually has been pretty competitive in their first two games, tight losses um, to Purdue and Northwestern. Their quarterback this past week threw a couple interceptions, didn't play well, or else maybe they would have beat a Northwestern team that's really good. Sorry, Barton, they might have. Um, But doesn't matter. I think Iowa, this is the whole, this is the, it doesn't make sense, but I think that the odds makers are right. I think Iowa gets back on track. And you know what else I like? I like the under in this game because I think this is going to be kind of gross. Uh, the total is 46 and a half. It's going to be an ugly affair. Give me the under in this one. This seems like a Fornelli special, so I kind of like it for that reason. Uh, it was on the card. I was going to take Michigan State, though. <laughs> mm. It's because you mentioned, like, Iowa, it hasn't been awful overall. It's just, like, of those points that it had to make make it a close game last week against Northwestern. The only two touchdowns Iowa scored came after Northwestern turnovers in the first quarter. And I think it's longest drive touchdown drive in that game was 38 yards. Another one was like inside the red zone. So it was a really short touchdown drive. Iowa's offense has not exactly been impressive to me. So I think the under is a lot safer than taking Iowa laying the points in this spot. I like the pick Danny. I'm going to, I'm going to go with one more here. I'm going to, this is, this is my last one. Uh, so Northwestern, my boys are playing Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska has had, what's the total on this game? Uh, it is 55 or 54 and a half. Um, okay. By the way, this is a little bit distracting. I just got, I just got a direct message. I'm not going to tell you who the direct message is from because I don't know if they like want that out there or not. He is a student assistant. He is a student assistant at a at a uh, FBS Power Five program. This is the this is the full text of his email after introducing himself or of his direct message. Just wanted to say, love the pod, but can you please tell Tom Fernelli he's my favorite. His tweets are funny, and I like his appearances on PM22. Big fan of the pod, though. Why are you tw- why are you messaging me about Tom Fernelli? What am, I, what am I supposed to do about that? I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I am so incredibly popular that I, I don't allow people to DM me unless I follow them. So he's just getting in my 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 just slutty DMs. Yes. To, to, yes. To, to pass to so I can relay the message that he's got a crush on you. Okay. Got it. I I, right. got, I love you too, buddy. Whoever well, you there, are. Well, there you go. There you go, bud. You're you made the pod. Um, let me know next time I'll drop your name if you want me to. Um, all right, on to my pick. Big Tim pick. 
Northwestern Nebraska. Um, I think North, yeah, Nebraska, we thought their offense showed a little bit of signs of life against uh, Ohio State. They're, they're, they got a, 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 a bye week they didn't want last week. Uh, additional time to game plan for this Northwestern defense. Got two, two weeks of film uh, to, to get it ready. Omar Manning, name to know. Just saw it come across the, the bottom line that he is going to be eligible this week. He is a junior college transfer coming in for Nebraska. He might be the outside perimeter threat that they've been missing in this offense because he is sort of a freak. And you know, you never know how, how prepared these guys will be, how quickly the impact can be, but he could have a really significant impact. Iowa can make a lot of teams seem sort of slow on offense. They did that to Northwestern last weekend. I, I think Northwestern is a little bit more of week one. I think their offense is actually pretty good. So 54 and a half is the number. A couple of, you know, sluggish teams traditionally. I think that they're the new styling of both is going to have them playing over the total. So give me the uh, give me another log on the old over army fire. I, I want to say that I actually agree 100 percent with your reasoning. And this was also a game where I was considering Don't tell me weather. Don't tell me weather. over. But what scared me off <laughs> 11 to 12 mile per hour crosswinds. So I got two overs this week, and both of them are like Fernelli specials. Weather, but hey, weather, weather, red flags. The wind only wins fifty six percent of the time. There's still forty four percent that you can win. <laughs> uh, all right. Any anything else before we move on to money line sprinkles? I'm tapped. All right. Yep, I'm out. Okay. Yeah. Time for our Moneyline Sprinkles of the week. Uh, Moneyline Sprinkles last week. We had... I did not update them. I'm doing them right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, Tom had Memphis plus 210. That did not end up cashing. Uh, Barton, was it just UTSA? Was that the only one? Or South Carolina the week before? Yeah, it was just UTSA. Uh, Chip... Auburn plus 130. That went and cashed. Danny, the Texas plus 145. That was a winner. Arkansas plus 370. That was an L. Um, and that means that right now Tom is four and five. Most units, 5.55 units. Danny, four and four, 2.5 units up. Chip, four and eight, 1.35 units up. And Barton, one and six, 3.75 units down. Tom, what is your money line sprinkle? I have two this week. Okay. Uh, the first one is kind of along the lines of what we were talking about a minute ago. I'm taking Michigan State plus 230. Not that I think they're going to win. I just think that they win often enough that there is a lot of value in that 230 because, again, Iowa's offense to me has not been all that impressive. And I think this is going to be like Danny's taking the under too. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. And I think this could be one play could end up deciding it one way or the other. So I like the value there on the Spartans taking it plus two thirty, And then finally going along with another one of Barton's locks. I am taking West Virginia plus 200 to beat Texas outright. All right. Uh, Danny, what are yours? 
All right, I told you earlier I was going to give it. I got two. I'm going to take – this is kind of the chaos play, too. I love I love the chaos play. Uh, college football, I think we're going to see it this year. We've seen a little bit. Uh, I think it's only going to get worse. I'm taking the Gators to win the game outright versus Georgia, plus 140. I think it's about – can I get anything better than that? Get you. Let me see. Let me see what I can find you. I can get you 145. Uh, the other play that I want to get in on is the other big game. I'm going to go ahead and take Notre Dame to beat Clemson. Outright. Oh, um, Clemson has the uh, 28 game win streak in the ACC. Uh, they're one game from breaking the 29 game streak that is held by Florida State from 1992 to 1995. When in November 2nd, 1995, Florida State went to Charlottesville and uh, made it got a little overconfident in that game, threw it 67 times. Probably should have ran it a little bit more. Mark Richt has admitted to that. That was your boy, uh, yours truly, on that game. We lost that one through three picks. That didn't help the situation. But the Clemson also had a streak of 29 uh, straight games that Florida State also held before last year's championship game versus LSU, which was broke right before. They tied Florida State's record there. There's something, there's a dynamic about there. And maybe it plays out next week with Florida State pulling the upset of the century. But or two weeks, yeah. But I think it comes to an end this week, so I'm going to take uh, Clemson. I will. Or excuse me, Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, I love that we've got a 200 there, Tom. I'm I'm on West Virginia. I had it at plus 180, but if a 200 is available, let's go Mountaineers. And uh, I'll throw this one out there because I don't. It doesn't feel right to me to have a a you know. I feel like we need to give out plus numbers. That's the money line sprinkle. But keep your eye on that Washington Cal line. I think Washington is a short underdog, but the problem is the money line is minus money. I think Washington wins that game. So as I'm not going to give it here as a money line sprinkle because I don't feel like putting that on the dock. It feels disrespectful to it. But you know, come kickoff if Cal's like a two point favorite and you can catch a little like plus one twenty or something like that. I like Jimmy Lake maybe to be able to come out and get the win right there. But my official money line sprinkle again. I had Washington until I just looked it up and saw it was minus money. Not going to do that. Uh, but I am going to stick with another one of my first picks, which was West Virginia plus two hundred. All right, so I've, I've, I've been horrible on the money line sprinkle so far this year. i got to catch up a little bit. Unfortunately, it's going to be tough to do because while I have multiple picks, they also align with some of y'all's. So give me the nears, uh, whatever you just said. Wow, we've got a yeah. money line sprinkle unity. All right, so let's unite the clans there, and then uh, we'll go shoot down some MIGs too, uh, Iceman. I'm going to go Notre Dame and the Gators. Uh, Wow. I I might just try to watch that this afternoon. You're playing that jam. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I really like about Notre Dame is, so uh, when you think about this matchup, and you think about, like, how uh, we talked about it, they don't really yet have Justin Ross or T. Higgins on the outside. Like, but they have Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne is one of the most dynamic, especially now that he's in the past game, guys in the college football. But Notre Dame has Kyle Hamilton and Jeremiah Wusu koromoa 
who are probably two of like the best options there are out there as as guys you can you can sick on a Travis Etienne type. I I think this matchup in some ways is pretty good for Notre Dame. So um, I'm not I'm not going to play the the points. I'm going to play the money line and uh, and we've talked through the Gators. So I kind of I I mean I feel good about all three of those. I think all three of those could hit. All right. Let me hit it one more time. All right. To review, big old week 10 locks sheet. Tom, going to be going Michigan minus two and a half against Indiana, Florida plus three and a half against Georgia, Boise plus three against BYU, Clemson, Notre Dame under 51 and a half, Air Force Army under 41, Arizona State at USC under 58, Rutgers plus 38 at Ohio State, Fresno minus 11 at UNLV, and Oklahoma home overs. Over 63 for Kansas and the Sooners. Barton, Michigan, remember that is our lock infinity. Florida, Georgia, over 52.5. Liberty, plus 15. Clemson, Notre Dame, under 51.5. Tennessee, minus 1.5 at Arkansas. Vandy, plus 19 at Mississippi State. USC, minus 10.5 and and breakfast ball against Arizona State. West Virginia, plus 6.5 at Texas. And the Nebraska Northwestern, over 54.5. Chip, Michigan. Then Georgia, because I'm loyal, like a dog. Uh, Liberty at Virginia Tech, over 67. Tennessee, Arkansas, under 52.5. Air Force, plus 6 at Army. Wyoming, minus 3 at Colorado State. Kansas State, plus 12.5 at Oklahoma State. Fresno, minus 11 at UNLV. Baylor at Iowa State, under 47.5. Danny, Michigan. Florida, minus Florida, plus 3.5 against Georgia. BYU minus two and a half against Boise State. Notre Dame plus six against Clemson. Arkansas plus two against Tennessee. Mississippi State minus two minus 18 and a half against Vanderbilt. Mississippi State Vanderbilt under 46 and a half. West Virginia, Texas over 54 and a half. Iowa minus six and a half against Michigan State. And the Iowa Michigan State under. Tagging it up, Danny Cannell. Uh, the lock infinity is the Michigan minus two and a half. We've got lock fights for Boise and BYU. That is between Tom and Danny. We've got double lock fights between uh, with the Tennessee-Arkansas game and the Vandy-Mississippi State game. The spreads for both of those between uh, Maverick and Iceman, Barton and Danny. There is a Tom and Chip. No, wait. Who am I fighting in... Uh, Oh, I'm fighting both Danny and Tom yeah. in Georgia, Florida. Whew. Mm-hmm. A lot to get to. How are we, Doing good? It's all out there? Another great week for me incoming. Here we go. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.